0: In this week's episode, when my honeymoon phase kind of started kicking in, I was checking my blood sugar for a few days and it was just level all the time. I wasn't getting any highs, wasn't getting any lows. And I was like, this is unreal. My diabetes is cured. I've figured this whole thing out. What's everybody complaining about? You know? <laughs> but before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, Please contact a medical professional. Now let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello! Welcome back to the podcast. I hope we've had a great week. I hope this week so far is going good. <laughs> Me and Graham, we literally just started recording, and my dog started barking in the background, so we had to redo this. <laughs> redo this whole thing. So I edited out Bella, and maybe she'll. Uh, she'll start barking again halfway through. So hope you had a good week. Last week's episode was with Austin First. Really, really, really good episode. It was so good to talk to him again. He's a good friend of mine and a very, very wise diabetic. My uh, my parents all, always listen to the podcasts. And I think last week was one of their favorites. And my dad, who is he tries to pretend like he's a tough Irish man. He said he was tearing up in parts of that episode. So thanks again, Austin, if you're listening. And if you haven't heard it yet, definitely go back and check it out. But today I am back with my good friend, Graham. I don't know how to take it. The fact that your parents' favourite episode
1: so far was one of the only two that I haven't been in. But... uh I'll take it because Austin was fantastic last week, really enjoyed his conversation. And the fact that he was diagnosed so young and his parents were teaching him how to inject and carb count at the age of four just blew my mind. It was so good, because like, I get to hear it before all of you, because I'm there editing in a way, so I get to hear the full file. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. Yeah, so sane. impressed.
0: With it. It's so cool. And like I said the Austin during that episode... I was diagnosed at 19, so I was at that age where I understood how important it was for me to keep my blood sugar steady, but to even comprehend a five-year-old injecting himself and carb counting is like, it was, just, it was just insane
1: to me. I think you were asking him, It was the conversation came about as in, you don't know any different and because he was so young, that was just his life, so that's the way he grew up. Injecting himself being a type 1 diabetic, he knew no different, but it was completely opposite to you where you had lived nineteen years of your life as a normal guy, a teenager living in Ireland, doing whatever the hell you wanted, eating what you wanted to a point, and then this came crashing down on you, so it was really interesting having two different
0: um, two different perspectives on type one diabetes yeah it's interesting how no matter what age you're diagnosed that it's almost like there's pros and cons to to being younger or older or young adolescent yeah how's your week been on yeah week has been good again obviously like the rest of the world is still locked down but the weather in ireland has been really really nice i been spending a lot of time outside in my garden and actually last week on tuesdays basically i release uh, an email out to loads of diabetics and i touched on the importance of of understanding how your blood sugar can react in sunny hot weather so I think last week that email went out because I was spending a lot of time in the sun so I was kind of putting a lot more focus and attention on my blood sugar. Is it getting easier or harder for you because for me I don't have an underlying
1: illness so I can still I still go into work every single day and I don't have to I don't maybe protect myself as much as someone with type 1 diabetes may do due to the complications that could happen. How are you finding it the longer it goes on? Is it becoming easier or is it becoming harder?
0: Yeah, that's a tricky one because with regard to the virus itself, nothing has changed really. Obviously, we understand more about how it spreads and the severity of it, but we don't have a vaccine, we don't have a cure, and That is the reality of it. So it's nice to see that restrictions are being lifted and people are spending more time outside or they can go about their normal lives again slightly as they had been doing before. But for somebody like me and anyone else out there who has an underlying health condition, because the virus doesn't have a vaccine yet, it's great that the restrictions are lifted. But it's also slightly more intimidating too because people are beginning to become complacent about the whole thing and I've been cycling a good bit because obviously I can't go to the gym so I cycle around Bray and I go up and down the beach and some some of the days I've been down there it's as if nothing is going on there are there's like almost hundreds of people walking around and yeah a lot of them are keeping their distance but you you feel that Things are just maybe moving faster than they should. But obviously, I will treat it more seriously than somebody like you who doesn't have an underlying health condition. But it's good to see that things are getting back up and running and people are becoming more positive and they're getting back to how they were. But there isn't a vaccine yet. So I can still go out and I can still get this virus and I am at more risk of developing more complicated issues with it. So just because restrictions are lifted doesn't mean the virus is cured.
1: So it is. I was having this conversation with my girlfriend last night, and basically we were saying how complacency is the word that you used, and it's bang on, because you remember at the very beginning of this, and I don't know what it's like in the States, but I know a lot of people I've been talking to in Ireland said the same thing we'd sit down every single evening at six o'clock and we'd watch the news. It's called the 6-1 News in Ireland. And we would get how many people have been infected with the virus. And we'd be like, what? 22 people have been infected. And then when the first death came, we were like, oh my God. But now we're over two months into it. And this is bad for me. And I... Like I admit it myself, I don't even listen to the news anymore because it's just Mm. become an everyday thing that, oh, a hundred and something people have been infected and another 80 people have died. And because it's happening every single day, it's just become the new norm. People have just become normalized by it all. And then they're like, oh, come on, like, whatever. Yeah, okay. And they're not taking it
0: as serious anymore because they're just used to it. Yeah, you just adapt to this new way of living. And the initial shock of a hundred new cases today 10, 15, 20 deaths today, that initial concern has now worn off. So it's kind of like, yeah, we've adapted to this way, this new way of living. We've suppressed the virus to an extent. We flattened the curve, as, as they say. But the threat of the virus is still there. And particularly if you're living with a health condition. Like, as I said, it's great to see people going out and living their lives more than they have been doing for the past six seven eight weeks but if i get the virus now it's just as serious as if i got the virus 10 weeks ago yeah so with that regard nothing has changed you know so i still need to be as careful as i need to be yeah i just think it's interesting for us
1: because today is what day is it today? today's tuesday we're recording this and yesterday in ireland we went into phase one where a lot of businesses started to open up and building sites and uh, garden centers started to open up as well. So it was just interesting to see extra people on the roads. And when I'm driving home now from work as well, a lot more traffic on the road. So it's very in right now, but we're not here to talk about that. The title of this week's podcast, Owen, is the honeymoon phase. Are we talking about a brand new relationship? What's going on? What
0: does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. For somebody listening to this, if they don't know what the honeymoon phase is, they're like, This is now a relationship podcast, (laughs) so it's it's actually quite a fitting name, I feel, because (laughs) the honeymoon, the honeymoon phase, is kind of like the the nice, relaxed. Kind of happy time before everything goes to shit. <laughs> so uh, before you start seeing each other for who you truly
1: are exactly. and you get found out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, right. Yeah. So the diabetic honeymoon phase or honeymoon period is basically when you're diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. You are now externally administering insulin and the honeymoon phase refers to a time when basically your pancreas has kind of got a break from having to produce the insulin and kicks back into action for a period of time. Now, not everybody will experience the honeymoon phase and not everybody will have the same honeymoon period, let's say. It can last for a few weeks, a couple of months, six months, even a couple of years. So it will completely, completely depend on each diabetic, as most things with diabetes do. So there's no exact formula or kind of roadmap to follow when it comes to the honeymoon phase. I want to take it back to the very beginning of that, because something I didn't
1: quite understand is you become type 1 diabetic when basically your pancreas stops working. Mm hmm. But how does it start working again? If it's stopped and you've got diabetes, how does the pancreas then kick into
0: action? So when you're diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, obviously it's an autoimmune disease. Your body attacks your insulin-producing beta cells in your pancreas. So when these cells are attacked and destroyed, it prevents your, your pancreas from producing enough insulin to regulate Your blood sugar and keep them in a safe range. So that's why your blood sugar goes so high. Now, the honeymoon phase is basically when your pancreas has had a break because you've been taking external insulin and the remaining insulin-producing cells in your body can kind of continue to work. But there are now a limited number of those in your body because you're not they're not being produced anymore. So When you are externally taking insulin, your body has that break and then those beta cells that are producing the insulin can kind of start working. So I'm going to use a really bad analogy here. So we'll say
1: there's 100 soldiers and they represent the cells in the pancreas and an army comes in and wipes out 80 of them and then they go away and they've got 20 left and then they get a rest
0: and they're like, ah, sure, we'll go fight a little bit more and then they'll eventually die off as well. Pretty much, yeah. So then okay. the next army, which is you continuing to live and eating food, will just eventually knock all those soldiers out. And then you'll completely depend on external insulin. Did it happen to you? It did. So it was funny. So when I was diagnosed, obviously I was taking insulin. I was getting used to like checking my blood sugar. I was monitoring the food I was eating. I was getting the grips with how exercise is going to influence me and all that good stuff. So over like, it was almost as if it was a few days. Anytime I checked my blood sugar, it was just spot on. And I was like, whoa, I'm doing really good here. A, I've, a, I've only been diabetic six months and I have the whole thing
1: figured out. You know. <laughs> so it was spot on from a sense of you aren't even injecting
0: yourself. Your body was doing it itself, was it? I wasn't really taking that much insulin when I was when I was diagnosed anyway so I wasn't taking huge doses where I would have noticed a big change with like the amount of insulin that I was taking so when when my honeymoon phase kind of started kicking in I was checking my blood sugar for a few days and it was just level all the time I wasn't getting any highs I wasn't getting any lows and I was like this is unreal my diabetes is cured i've figured this whole thing out what's everybody complaining about you know (laughs) and uh but then as the days went on i was seeing more low blood sugars and i was still kind of taking the same amount of insulin and looking back on it now it makes sense because obviously i was taking external insulin that i would have been previously taking for a certain food or a certain meal or a certain amount of carbohydrate. But now because my pancreas is kind of kicked back in and is working again, there was internal insulin being released and I was injecting external insulin. So I was getting almost double the amount of insulin that my body needed. So my blood sugar was dropping a lot. I went from being diagnosed to not really know what's not really knowing what's going on to blood sugar's perfect all the time and then blood sugar's going low a lot so i looked into it i think i gave my doctors a call in the hospital i can't really remember but i looked it up anyway and i had discovered that this was the honeymoon effect or the honeymoon phase so i was like okay my pancreas is back working now to an extent i was aware of that so obviously i didn't go and just stop taking insulin So I continued taking my basal insulin, which is like your background insulin. So I take that every night and every morning. So that kind of just helps keep you steady throughout your day. And I was taking little to no fast acting insulin at all. So I would have been going about my day, eating the foods I was eating. And it was was as if I wasn't diabetic at all. And it was kind of like a nice break because... In the space of six months, I went from being a normal 19-year-old to going like going out with friends, not really worrying about anything, to then 48 hours away from a coma, going into the hospital, told to have type 1 diabetes, my whole life has changed, to now almost going back to the way things were before I was diagnosed. So I wasn't really worrying about how much insulin I needed because to an extent I knew that my body was going to regulate it itself which was it was a nice break and I think that was a time for me when just going back to the virus like when you become complacent with your diabetes that's when issues can arise so for me when I experienced the honeymoon effect I didn't really get complacent with it because I was still so new to the whole thing and obviously I wanted to take care of my health and I wanted to be an expert of diabetes as a whole, and specifically for my own diabetes. So because you don't necessarily have the opportunity to look after your health inside your head and the knowledge of your diabetes, because it's overnight, it's the flick of a switch. It's like you're normal, now you need to inject yourself. You need to carb count. You need to monitor your exercise. You need to be careful of how much insulin you take and so on so because i kind of got this break with my honeymoon effect because i knew that my body was going to look after itself as like more than it had been doing the past six months i used that opportunity to focus on kind of educating myself about diabetes so because i knew inevitably this honeymoon phase was going to wear off it wasn't going to last forever unfortunately as you say, all these soldiers were going to eventually be killed. And I knew that, so I anticipated that, and I knew that when I was... It's almost like you're getting re-diagnosed with diabetes when the honeymoon effect ends. So I wanted to be fully prepared for my kind of second (laughs) diagnosis, so I knew exactly what I needed to do. Is it a well-known phenomenon?
1: Because I would imagine... For someone who didn't know what was going on and someone who may be just thinking, oh, is my diabetes cured? I presume it could be very
0: dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you go a couple days where your blood sugar is where it should be and you're not necessarily kind of taking the care of it as you should be doing or you're used to be doing or you're used to doing, you can easily neglect your management of it then. So... You may come out of the honeymoon phase and you may be now in a habit of not checking your blood sugar because, ah, it's probably looking after itself. It's probably steady. And then, if that goes on for hours or a couple of days, you can go into DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis, which is like your blood sugar just going way, 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 way too high. And if you're not aware of when you're coming into the honeymoon phase, you may still continue to take the same amounts of insulin, which can result in hypoglycemia, and you can experience insulin shock or a diabetic seizure, uh, which also isn't an ideal scenario. So I think it's important for people to, well, specifically when you're initially diagnosed, it's so important to check your blood sugar as much as you can, because if you're not frequently checking your blood sugar when you're diagnosed, you won't really be able to identify if you are going into a honeymoon state or not, because you won't see those changes in your blood sugar and you won't be well-versed enough in diabetes to be able to notice if your blood sugar is high or if it's low. And I think, have you ever read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? No. So, have you heard the expression like 10,000 hours? Yeah. So, you become an expert at something after you perform it or work at it for 10,000 hours. That's what they say. But it yeah. so Malcolm Gladwell refers to the Beatles and stuff in his in his book Outliers about how they played for 10,000 hours and they became experts. But diabetes is like that too. You need to live with diabetes for 10,000 hours to be an expert on it because it changes all the time and you can wake up one day and your blood sugar could be perfect. You can wake up another day, your blood sugar can be all over the place just from taking one unit less of insulin, taking one bite extra of food, you know, you can be thrown off so easily. So referring back to the honeymoon phase, I actually had, I've had a couple of people reach out to me recently who have just been diagnosed and they weren't necessarily told by their doctors that they may experience the honeymoon phase because it doesn't happen to everybody, and I'm not even sure if it's as widely known as it should be. But they were they were asking me, "How will I know? How can I treat it?" And the only way you will know is if you just constantly monitor your blood sugar, because, like I said, you're not when you're when you're so recently diagnosed. You can't identify if your blood sugar is high or low just from the feeling in your body because you're not used to it yet. So constantly monitoring your blood sugar is how you're going to be able to see the change in levels.
1: And I presume if you have a feeling that this is happening to you, to contact your doctor?
0: 100%, yeah. Do not make any changes to your insulin doses. Don't make that decision yourself, especially if you're newly diagnosed because In reality, they know more than you at the start of when you're starting off. So it's important to contact them, tell them, look, I think I'm coming into this phase. How should I adjust my fast acting, my long lasting? How is this going to be like, how how can I treat this with food, exercise? How is it going to affect me? It's just, it's important to just be aware of the whole thing. And there was another guy who contacted me relatively recently and his his young child, I think he was only like four or five, was type one diabetic. And he had it since he was like two, much like Austin last week. And he said he was experiencing a lot more lows than he had been doing. And and he had said that the blood sugar was, had been steady for so long and they feel like they had it all figured out. And it was kind of, it was just smooth sailing with the whole thing. And then almost out of nowhere, they started seeing all these these lows. And I said, it could be the honeymoon factor, the honeymoon phase, because not all, but a lot of diabetics will experience it. And he was like, "Oh God, yeah, geez, I didn't even, I didn't even know that existed, because they didn't even know that that was like a thing that can happen with diabetes. They were still injecting them with the same amounts, the same doses as they had been doing. So in that way, it can be extremely, extremely dangerous if you intake one unit." of insulin too much potentially you can go into insulin shock or pass out so you need to you need to live consciously as i've said before and kind of always be aware of how your body can react how your body will react and anticipate things particularly the honeymoon effect when you're uh, when you're newly diagnosed <laughs> right that was a uh, that was a nice voice break you know that happens to me all the time? And even I'm trying to hold it back now because I kind of feel one coming. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I
1: usually usually go here, Graham, when you edit that out, I'm leaving that one in. Yeah, that's staying, I, in. I, staying I, in. I
0: appreciate it. <laughs> but even the odd time I'll hear my dad do that, it's like <laughs> <laughs> so, soul destroying. But anyway, <clears throat> hello, yes. anyway, through the throat. Anyway, if you, have, if, if you have any questions regarding the honeymoon phase or anything diabetes-related, feel free to contact me directly or email theinsulonepodcast at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to the podcast as well, Owen. Oh, yeah. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please rate it, subscribe to it. If you subscribe, it'll go directly to your phone. And give it five stars because... The more people that listen to this podcast, the more diabetics will hear it. And every person that rates five stars cures one diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we
1: can't stand over that as the no. podcast and as the producer I can't stand over that but if Owen says it who knows it comes I'm through. diabetic it has to be true <laughs> I feel like I had a gun to your back there oh and tell them to subscribe to the <laughs> yeah. podcast anyway do uh, no. yeah, that gets it up the charts as well which uh, we just want to get the word out there about the podcast as well so
0: you I know remember. I'm a big believer in diabetes education it's something I am hugely hugely passionate about and Getting a good positive word about diabetes is extremely important to me and hundreds of millions of people around the world. So I appreciate you listening and I will talk to you next week.